millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today, Season 3, Episode 17, Camp X. Canada's most secretive spy camp. While espionage behind enemy lines has always been crucial for gaining valuable military intelligence, the Second World War was the first true global shadow war. Operating in these shadows were intelligence operatives manning massive code-breaking and communications facilities, trying to help bring the German and Japanese war machines to a halt. Playing a large part in cementing the legacy of this shadow war, Camp X became the site of one of the most arcane wireless and special training facilities ever constructed. Though under the official designation of the British Special Ops Executive, Camp X is a major part of a unique Canadian historical legacy in World War II's shadow war. For a deeper look into Canadians that played a part in the covert operations of the Second World War, the book recommendation this week is Roy McLaren's Canadians Behind Enemy Lines, published by UBC Press 2004. However, for a solid history of Camp X, look to David Stafford's Camp X, Canada's School for Secret Agents, uh, published by Lester and Orpen Denny's in 1986. Both will give you a wide variety accounting of Canada's participation in the covert world of the Second World War. Okay, let's get started. Though the history books remind us often of the battles fought on the shores of Normandy, through the forests of northern Europe, in the rugged terrain of Italy, across the deserts of North Africa and beyond, we often neglect to remember the war that took place in the shadow realm of subversion, intelligence, and resistance. Covertly, this battle, pitched by groups like the British Special Ops Executive, known as the SOE, or the American OSS, Office of Strategic Services, delivered British, Canadian, American, and other Allied spies throughout the world as far as the Himalayan mountains, the jungles of Burma, the cities of Asia, and of course, all over Europe. All of this in service of the Allied war effort. While many Canadians participated in the covert world of special ops and spying, Camp X became Canada's training ground for the men and women serving in the shadows. 
In fact, December 6, 1941, saw the opening of Camp X, known alternatively as Project J, or as S2511, and also S2S103. Camp X sounds much cooler, though. The nucleus for Camp X actually began in the early months of the war. The British Secret Intelligence Service, known famously as MI6, had set up a covert intelligence operation in New York City, known as the British Security Coordination, the BSC. That's going to pop up quite a bit in our story today. The BSC's job was to fan the flames of pro-British opinion, report back to London on any events in the U.S. related to the war effort, while also sussing out any anti-British activity that might be occurring within that country. Secret messages were constantly going back and forth between New York and London, and initially, these messages were actually being sent using technology on loan from the FBI something that was secretly approved by the Roosevelt administration. However, the FBI's director, the famous J. Edgar Hoover, was frustrated that he was not given access to the messages. They were always encoded, and thus made it clear that the British would need to find some other method of facilitating messages back and forth from the continent. Thus, the idea for Camp X was born. The British asked the Canadians if they could set up a communications facility that would allow the BSC to continue to transmit messages from New York, bounce it off the transmitters at Camp X, and push it on to London. The location chosen was right on the shore of Lake Ontario, outside the small village of Whitby, roughly 50 kilometers east of Toronto, and of course right across the water from the United States. The codename given to this covert intelligence and communication program between Camp X and London was HYDRA. And no, this is not the same HYDRA that James Hallett, a.k.a. Wolverine, spent his life fighting against. The man in charge of HYDRA was University of Toronto professor and communications expert Benjamin DeForest Bailey. After this program was set up, much of the private communication between Churchill and Roosevelt was handled through Project Hydra. As Hydra was felt to be secure enough to send encrypted messages without fear of interception. Churchill, in fact, had a private room set up at Bletchley Park in the village of Milton Keynes, north of London, where he would receive messages directly from Camp X in southern Ontario. Bletchley Park, by the way, was the top-secret home of Britain's World War II codebreakers. However, very quickly, Hydra expanded well beyond its original mandate. Once the Americans were in the war after December 1941, the covert messages could also be transmitted directly from Washington, and Hydra now began work in the handling of all sorts of military intelligence— Intercepted and decoded messages from Vichy France, Nazi Germany, Japan, and Italy were all being processed through Camp X. Very quickly, Bailey and his team were becoming privy to some of the most valuable information on the planet. Of particular note, Bailey's team was pivotal in intercepting German U-boat messages during the Battle of the Atlantic, helping in the defense against U-boat wolf packs prowling the Atlantic Ocean and preying on Allied shipping. Uh, A major contributor, by the way, to the Canadian victory in the Battle of the North Atlantic was the ability for these 
messages between U-boats to be decoded. This allowed Canadian convoys to avoid the U-boat wolf packs. But Camp X was not just an intelligence gathering and sharing center. It was also a place to train secret agents. British instructors from a wide range of intelligence services, including the BSC, the SOE, the Secret Intelligence Service, Naval Intelligence Division, MI6, and others, all converged on Camp X to teach American, Canadian, and other allied men and women the art of spying. The man in charge of the instructional aspect of Camp X was Sir William Stevenson, Stevenson was born in Manitoba and was a pilot in the British Flying Corps during the First World War and had become a personal friend of Winston Churchill during the interwar period. Now, Stevenson's instruction offered a 10-week crash course in every aspect of silent killing, espionage, partisan work, recruitment methods for the resistance movement, demolition, map reading, and even Morse code. The camp quickly became an assembly line for special agents. It even boasted its own secret gadget factory. Housed in the Museum of Toronto's Casaloma Museum were scientists and seamstresses creating things like compasses and combs and secret maps detailed on beautiful silk scarves. This division, in fact, was known as Station M, the M standing for magic. Before we continue, I just want to give you a reminder that you can find us on all your podcast listening devices, as well as on Facebook, our homepage at coolcanadianhistory.com, and you can even find us on Instagram. Now, if you go to our Facebook page or our website, you will see links to PayPal or Patreon. Both of these links provide safe and secure ways to donate to the podcast. We survive solely on your donations, and every dollar donated is extremely helpful in allowing us to continue to bring you this history program. As well, on our FB page and iTunes, you can leave us a rating and a comment. We love to hear from you, so please don't be shy, and thank you to those that have recently donated to the podcast. Now on with the show. Now, Camp X itself boasted a staff made up of men and women, both military and civilians. The camp attendees were also quite heterogeneous, reflecting the global nature of the war. There were, of course, men and women from Great Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and the United States. But more interestingly was the wide range of Canadians that trained there. For instance... George B. McClellan, widely understood as the father of the modern RCMP, worked closely with the officers at Camp X to recruit Yugoslav immigrants from Canada's Communist Party to infiltrate back into Eastern and Southern Europe. Canadians of Japanese, Chinese, Russian, German, Italian, and French descent, just to name a few different ethnicities, all were trained at Camp X before being shipped overseas to Britain. Often, these agents would arrive in Britain after completing the 10-week course at Camp X, where they would then undergo a finishing school before finally being sent into the field. The Allies expected only five out of every 100 missions to ever be successful. Dozens of Camp X graduates never returned to their homes again. 
Now, it was Stevenson who oversaw this training and worked closely with his American counterpart at the OSS, a man named William Wild Bill Donovan, who is widely considered the father of American Central Intelligence and one of the men who helped turn the OSS into the famous Central Intelligence Agency. Campbacks would, in fact, become extremely influential in the founding of the CIA in the United States. Donovan was so impressed with Campbacks that he ordered most of his OSS agents to attend training there under Stevenson. Eventually, as the OSS expanded, it set up its own schools in the U.S., However, all of the earliest OSS schools, what later would become the CIA training schools, were modeled on CampX itself. In fact, CampX even created a course specifically focused on how to set up and start a secret agent training center. So pervasive was the influence of CampX on the development of these OSS schools that what was referred to as the Bible, that is the entire uh, training syllabus from CampX, became the OSS standard curriculum as well. well. The British had long referred to CampX not as CampX, but the farm. The CIA's main training facility at Camp Peary, thought to have been established around 1951, to this day is known colloquially as the farm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Camp X was so secretive that only two members of government even knew of its existence. Prime Minister Mackenzie King and his Minister of Defense, J.L. Ralston. By 1945, the Nazi Reich was collapsing, and the training at Camp X was slowly coming to an end. Before the end of the war, over 500 agents would have been trained at Camp X. Some of the most notable Camp X attendees were Ian Fleming, the author of the James Bond novels, Roald Dahl, British author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, famous American actor Sterling Hayden, and more infamously, Kim Philby. British secret agent who was later revealed to be a double agent for the Soviet Union. On a side note, it is widely believed that Ian Fleming's character James Bond was based heavily on Sir William Stevenson himself. After the war, Camp X continued as a secret communications link between Washington and London and a secret facility. In fact, famous Soviet defector Igor Gazenko and his family were temporarily housed at Camp X when he defected shortly after the end of the war. The camp sent its final intelligence message in 1969 before it was officially shut down. Camp X thus played a crucial role in the intelligence war that became such a significant part of the Allied effort in the Second World War. It transmitted hundreds of crucial pieces of intelligence to London and Washington, while at the same time became extremely influential in the American intelligence community and the model by which the post-war CIA trained its own members. 
In fact, it is no exaggeration to say that Camp X played a significant role in shaping modern intelligence in the Western world after the Second World War. Truly a fascinating Canadian legacy. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on SoundCloud, and you can find us at our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com, and of course you can find me on Twitter, at Doc Boris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. I want to thank you for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Take care.